Radio TRO is in search of sponsors. Sponsors get a detailed product mention at the beginning of every episode in our catalog. You can submit your own advertisement or we can read one for you. Visit email.tro.bike and contact us directly to learn more. Hey folks, Maggie Dean here, just reaching out to tell you about a couple of great tours we have coming up. One is for the newbies and the other for the seasoned curve carvers. If you're new to motorcycle touring, check out the LMCT, Lake Michigan Circle Tour, which takes place from Sunday, July 14th to Saturday, July 20th. It's a beginner-friendly scenic bike tour around Lake Michigan with all the planning and organizing done for you. It's ideal for couples, three-wheel riders, and small groups. It offers a balanced mix of fun curves, beautiful scenery, and rest stops. If you've always wanted to go on a small group motorcycle tour but have yet to do so, this tour is for you. And for all you rabid twisty travelers, check out TRO's Wisco Disco Tour. Based in Wisconsin, this tour is perfect for experienced riders visiting as much of the Driftless area as possible over three days. Our well-vetted routes are pre-planned, so just take the time off and join us. It's a great opportunity to ride in an intimate setting away from the solo digital world. Tiro's Wisco Disco Tour launches Wednesday, August 7th, and concludes Sunday, August 11th. Again, that's two tours approaching. Visit tiro.bike, mouse over events, and select group tours to learn more. Hello, everybody. I am Robin Dean. I'm Travis Burleson. And I'm Tim Clark. And this is the Writing Obsession Podcast. This episode we'll discuss podcast outline with subcontent here. <laughs> there you go, Travis. Try that again. There you go. Uh, in this episode, we'll discuss the possibility of a new Honda Sport Touring model, as well as riding Kentucky's Hillbilly Triangle, and take a look at some new kit, including tools and luggage. And that takes us to our personal notes. So, Travis, what is up, man? How's your month going? Any uh, news with the uh, buns in the oven? Oh, you know, the fetuses are still there. That's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the, the hospital bills keep, keep coming in the mail, so, you know. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so that's all going, going well. Um, I put the spare kawasaki er6n up for sale so if anyone's in the madison area looking for a uh, naked sport bike it's a, basically a late 2000s version ninja 650 there's the one that has actual handlebars on it which is i think the best one because you can adjust the handlebars with uh, regular handlebars instead of having to deal with clip-ons um but it's a naked version of that and it's in super clean shape it's under 2000 miles find it on craigslist uh oh shoot it's a thing um, the other one is almost coming together. I'm I'm almost done painting the tank. I got it primed and filled, and I'm ready to kind of do the final sand and color on it. I just got to get around to doing that. I did do some color match painting on the um, the speedometer cowl, and that came out really well. I was really happy with uh, the way the color match worked out because it's a two two level paint. Yeah, didn't you say it was like um, there's a combination of silver goes to 
one blue goes to another blue. It's like almost like three paints, or how did that work? Yeah, so you got your, your oh, primer, nice. and then you put a base coat on, which is like a heavy metallic. Um, so it's kind of bluish when it comes out, but it's mostly just metal flake. Um, and then you put go over that with a blue, um, and then you gotta like keep it's you gotta like keep putting blue on till the color is the right color of blue. I think it was like four or five coats, um, and then you put a clear on top of it. So it was um, it was kind of a neat uh, neat process, but especially uh, just like mail order color match rattle canning. I thought the one little cowl came out okay. So once the tank's ready, we'll see how it goes. Um, <laughs> once I get around to to doing all that. Um, yeah, there's not much else for got to, got to do some writing. Um, you know, it's been pretty busy around here, so I haven't been able to do a whole a whole lot else for motorcycle stuff. Um, you know, always little bits and bobs with the uh, NC700. I got a new pair of uh, bullet riding pants from uh, MotorcycleGear.com that are pretty good. They still, do I just don't think they make models motorcycle pants that fit me right. Like they always ride up too high once I'm on the bike, so the knee armor isn't in the right place even when and you're standing is it low like you know they say you're supposed to it should only fit properly when you're actually in riding position yeah so when i'm standing it's like almost right it's just like it's like a couple inches off so i might rip the seams on it and try and move the um the abrasion resistant material and the armor pockets down a couple inches we'll see if i feel so um motivated to take on a project like that yeah i was thinking when my, hopefully the kenmore 58 can was, can go through everything yeah my 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 uh what is it kevlar yeah the kevlar denim that i have whenever i'm standing normally the top of my knee pads are below my knee like the top of the armor is underneath yeah. and then when i sit down it all kind of cups in yeah which is how they they nice. should be and mine aren't quite fitting that way so well i'll fight with them when there's when there's time but um yeah, other than that, on the motorcycle front, you know, just kind of trying to get as much riding in as I can while I can, and it's uh, going uh, going pretty well. What about uh, you, Tim? What have you been up to? Well, I've been putting some miles in on the new bike, and I'm still very much enjoying it. And what is that new week, bike, uh, Tim? <laughs> that is the <laughs> the Husqvarna Svartbilen yeah. 401. <laughs> it's the tiny, tiny little bike. It's basically it's it's the Grom for big boys that don't fit on Groms. <laughs> And I uh, somewhat ambitiously volunteered to do the motorcycle crew for the Ironman, um, following the bicycles around the now, bike which course. Version of that? Did you do? Did, I mean, did, like I saw that Michael Gordos, our one of our uh, one of our friends, Michael, he signed up to do that. He had like a cameraman on back. And then did you did you have like what was your role? No, he had a he had a referee he had a referee on the back. Oh. He was up with the the professional men so he was up he left the staging area early went through the course very fast because those guys just scream through the course and huh. yeah he he was he was done with his day much earlier than i was <laughs> i since i can't have a passenger on that bike all day long i did not have a referee to carry around the course, and they didn't have yeah, enough for us, anyways. Question: more, like, so what were more you motorcycles rocking? than referees. Well, I am on spotter duty, and oh. this is just an extra set of eyes out on the course. You know, I'm there if someone has an emergency. I'm, you know, someone with a phone that can call the the command center. Nice. And 
a lot of times it's check on people. How you doing? You know, if they're standing on the side of the road, what's going on? Can I get you a bike tech? You know, they're a mile back or something like that. You know, run and give the bike techs a heads up that they need to come you're up. You're keeping everybody and safe. Pick up somebody. You're keeping everybody uh, intact and safe. And I mean, that's like a hero's move right there. That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fun. And sometimes you get to play my bike mechanic and, you know, I usually travel with a set of bike tools some patch kits an extra set of tubes and just all sorts of little nonsense to maybe get someone back on the road that we don't need to flag down the, the truck with the bike tech. Good. Yeah. Nice. And I left way late. I was with the slow crew all day long. It was much colder than I was expecting this weekend and drizzled and I froze my uh-huh. head off. <laughs> but it's fun. I, I actually, I screwed up once. What? And almost ruined someone's day. Did you pull out in front of someone or something? So what happened is I'm on a stretch of road that I just passed a bunch of bikes that were going about an average uh, 12 miles an hour or so. You know, not moving all that fast. Check my mirror. Looks clear. Looks like there's a couple hundred yards between me and anyone behind me. And there's a water bottle or, no, a Gatorade bottle that was in the path of their travel because I tend to hug the right shoulder. So normally when I see that and I've got space, I'll just pull over and kick it out into, you know, I will kick the bottle off the road just to give them a clear path. I stalled the bike. Oh, because I forgot that I was in second and not didn't drop all the way to first. And at that same time, apparently one of the pro men or if not the one of the pros, one of the very fast men was up on me (laughs) and he almost hit me from behind at about 30 miles an hour. It is unreal how fast these guys go on those bikes. So yeah, I I felt bad. Like I didn't ruin his day, but I, I definitely pissed him off. Oh man. Kind of. Yeah. It it sucks. I'm like, I hope I'm doing, you know, net good. You know, I'm not (laughs) not here to give anyone a hard time or make anyone's day worse. Think you being there was not a bad thing. You made up for it just by, you know, existing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had one guy that was just like, he'd been on the side of the road for 45 minutes, hadn't seen a bike tech, and he was just happy that someone had stopped and gave a damn. Yeah. That he was there. Nice. So, chatted with him for a while until the bike tech showed up. Because the one thing that I forgot to bring was a air pump. And that yeah. was all that man needed to get back on the road. So, that's it, all right. So overall, good day. How about you, Robin? What is going on with you this week, this month? What's the motorcycling world doing for you? Well, you know, we're out here in Lone Rock. Uh, Lone Rock, we're about an hour from anything or anybody that we know. Um, But my sister came and visited from Columbus, Ohio. My sister visited from Columbus, Ohio, uh, which was really cool. We got to spend a few days with her. Um, Coached a lot of MSF courses over the past month. Uh, some with folks I've been looking forward to coaching with for quite some time. And I also got to coach with my wife, Maggie Dean, is now a certified MSF rider coach for the MLA. Yeah. So congrats to her, um, which was a lot of fun, man. That was a solid experience, and I'm looking forward to coaching with her regular. Um, then uh, rode a few of the Wisconsin Driftless Adventures maps. I actually spent that time with you a little bit and uh, Michael Gordos as well. We got to ride that Boaz Kaz route, which is a just a damn fine time. Uh, visiting the western regions of that the Driftless. That was good fun. 
Isn't that great? I was, and what was really hilarious to me was noting when Tim knew the road because he would be square in my exhaust pipe <laughs> versus when I was ad-libbing up front on the road. None of us have been on right. the road. Um, so, yeah, that Boaz Casarot right. was just, just a hoot, man. And it's right here. So uh, Travis has been on that now, too. He and I doubled up for that one a couple of times. Um, so let's see. We're, uh, Two was I, was, uh, I was on the tank facing back. Facing me. <laughs> that joke never gets old, man. <laughs> I use it regularly. You got to sit on the tank, but you have to face me. Um, so, yeah, visiting western regions of the Driftless and employing a big number of the twisty goat roads. Uh, most importantly on that route, there's pie at Kickapoo Corner, which, I mean, Kickapoo's not a, that's like a river, but where is that located? Is that in uh, Basketball or where is that? That is in Reedsburg, Reedsburg, Reedsville, I can't remember which Reed it is. Uh, Yeah, it could be. I think there are all three somewhere out there. A lot of Apparently the Reeds were a very successful clan out there. Yeah, it's Corners. I think it's a plural Corners. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Oh, well, I um, can't pluralize here. Yeah, and I've got to figure out some way yeah, to segue, Travis. The uh, I was about to go into the. No, what no. were you about to say? Uh, Kickapoo, well, uh, yeah, Kickapoo Corner is in Reedstown, Wisconsin, but it's Reed like you read a book. R e a d s p o w n Reedstown. Nice. And they have good. Um, their food's just great there if you're ever out that way. Yeah, and one of the things that is fresh every day. lovely in rural Wisconsin is almost any place you find that says family restaurant or supper club. You know, the supper clubs are going to be your little bit more upscale, but Wisconsin takes that seriously and they put out some good food usually. Every time. Every time is good. Um, And this is a terrible segue on my part, but we're going to move on. Travis, you've got this month in motorcycle history. There's the link. So you need to pick out uh, only that which is specific to... This month, um, let's see if we can get this right. It it loads in January, which is not good for us. No. Take your time. We have a silence eliminator. <laughs> it also only goes back to 2015, which is no. Nice it, I mean, the, a blog it, no, archive. It, it, yeah, um, do that. No. How did I do this before? How do I? How do I be not in January? I don't know. <laughs> This site, this this site is very poorly made. There. <laughs> now you know why we rake the data off of their site instead of actually linking to it. Uh, yeah, it only gives it only gives me January. Keep talking, and then I'll let me figure That's out true. a way to do a thing. Um, oh, here we go. I got it. Uh, what is today? It's September. Well, today is September tenth. We want basically anything for September. Let's see if there's anything on September tenth. There's some cool pictures. Uh, well, let's be professional about, about this, Travis. Give us the intro. Today in oh, motorcycle history. Um, hold on. Where do I go Not enough whiskey September? in the world to make this interesting. <laughs> no, this mm. is... I blame Robin for linking this janky thing. Oh, the links turn black once you click on them on the black background. That's why. Yep. Oh, that's some fine site design there. Oh, right. yeah. So for those of you listening out there, Today in motorcyclehistory.blogspot.com, the writing obsession does a data rake on their information, so you can read it much more easily if you visit the podcast episode page for this specific episode or any specific episode that makes mention of this week and this month in motorcycle history. Did you manage to lock it down? Uh, yeah, I kind of got to the right thing, but it's not really useful. But um... look at the URL. That might help. 
Like use the yeah, domain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I think I got what we're looking for, but I'm just I'm riveting tracking across um no, it came out in July. I don't know. There's something on there about like on any Sunday, but that came out in July. I just cross referenced it with uh um with uh well yeah, there's there there's like nothing good. <laughs> there's nothing good for September. Twenty second this there's like there's like a well, there's some like naked women. What's that all about? Risky business, dancing girls performing on motorbikes, September twenty second, nineteen seventy seven, on the stage of Le Crazy Horse Saloon in Paris. Images of that... girls and Le Crazy Horse on motorcycles. Um yeah, Crazy Horse Saloon, nineteen fifty one, champs. Um yeah, so the craziest horse saloon opened nineteen fifty one. Um but yeah, they did something with their crazy burlesque girls riding motorcycles around. I can't believe I'm saying this, but that, that made the wait all worthwhile. <laughs> so nineteen fifty one, half naked ladies yeah, on motorcycles girl, he... in France. Yep, if it's about halfway down in September. You know, and probably some other stuff happened, but after that, I think that's everything we need. Yeah, I think that's about um, 1987. There's like a movie. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing else that's good there. Or less girls, just for less motorcycles, girls in the 1951. Let's talk about. Let's let's let that be what it is. Mm-hmm. You you the riveting. You made my day. So and from there we'll go on to our <laughs> segments. Let's get into this month's featured segments. Travis, what year, make, and model are we focused on, and what can you tell us about it? Um, well, it's a bike that maybe doesn't, ex- well, that definitely doesn't exist yet, um, but mm-hmm. might exist, and is the definitely the bike that should exist. Um, so the the bike I almost bought, I almost bought one of these back uh, when I was looking to get go move up from my 250 Honda Rebel back. Oh, geez, must have been eight eight or nine years ago now, and that was the Honda NT700V. Now, this is actually the the descendant of the NT650 Hawk GT that Robin recently sold. Yes, um, it did. Which was a tight, tiny little ripper naked sport bike. Um, but it had Completely evo- different looking uh, evolved into, uh, yeah, a fully fared, integrated luggage, shaft drive, uh, sport touring bike and like commuter bike and and the luggage on this bike is that pass is the, through, right it's like it's got the hollow point up top yeah that like yeah it's got the, yeah so the the back the luggage is integrated into the bodywork so you can't take it off but it connects through the back of the bike so you can put like a longer like a tent or um a poster or something or a longer piece of equipment in there oh um, that's neat and it is the workhorse of Europe it was sold in Europe for a long time the end. Uh, as the Doville, the NT700 Doville, um, and it's like every commuter, every cameraman, um, like you, because it's like just enough power, good for two up. You can carry a bunch of stuff, and it's a Honda. And they sold it in the states for two years, and then stopped selling it. And now you can get one with fairly low miles for like five grand ish, um, if you don't mind trying to track down parts from Europe, because they only sold it in the states for two years. But uh, it was released here a couple of weeks ago that uh, Honda did file patent paperwork for um, a new version that uses the uh, whatever 900 and change, 998 CC parallel twin from the Africa twin. Now, is that going to be, be retuned, I, you think? Will it be a different bore or a different overall i don't know well, if it would need to even i don't think yeah i don't think it would need to i mean maybe a little bit but 
Well, too, I think that the um, so the original NC was a nine or was a uh, a V twin motor, same as your NC six fifty, but bigger with the seven hundred. And I believe Honda did <clears throat> use that in the original Africa Twin, right? It was a V twin. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. So I think it was the same motor in the original Africa Twin. That would make sense that they would put it in 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 this again. Um, but again, it would be the parallel twin, but with a two hundred seven degree crank essentially mimicking uh, an L twin or a nine degree V twin. Well, um, I should know so this by now because you and I, and we know Tim had had one for a while, but I never felt like I knew whether or not that bike was Revy or Tim, like what was the, what was the, uh, what was the red line? And would, do you feel like that would be enough for a sportier platform? You know, I never pushed it up near the red line on, on that bike. I found it to be plenty sporty. You know, oh, even yeah, with the eighteen twenty one wheel combination. Yeah, but I think the the charm and the tune of the engine is is linear flat power. Like it doesn't really matter. You don't have to rev it out very to get much. power out of it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's plenty of power for putzing around. You know, low low speeds, even in town, up hills. You know, where you're starting in a gear higher than you needed to be in, or something like that. You just it was hard to get that engine to complain in any way. Yeah, so kind of classic Honda stuff and perfect for a mid-sized sport tour, right? Like you don't, I mean, some people, when they sport tour, they want a sport bike with bags on it. And some people want a touring bike that they can sport with. And this yeah. would be, this would be that where it's like, it's a little more forgiving. You don't have to keep it on the boil to get the power. You know, if you, if you don't, you know, miss a downshift into a corner, if you miss a downshift into a corner, you can just, open the throttle and they start at 3000 rpm and it doesn't matter so yeah and it'll grunt through i'd say that like in terms of where it fits on the spectrum it would be more on the touring side than the uh the what the fj um nine, fjr fjr yeah the mt09 touring version oh the tracer 900 tracer 900 yeah the fj09 so yeah yeah i would say this is more a little bit more on the touring side than that yeah, it doesn't have that quite as it probably wouldn't have the same fiery engine, but you know, no. would be probably be a little more comfortable too. So, um, and would slot in there because right now Honda doesn't make a touring bike that's not the Goldwing. Yeah, yeah, I would find this much more appealing than a Goldwing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's nothing in Honda's lineup right now to. I'm trying to think about their current whole current lineup. I mean, there's the, the naked bikes. There's the Neo Retro line. You know, there's the CTX, but, you know, that's really more of a cruiser. And that's it. So this would be a nice slot. Definitely would go over well in Europe. And then I, if they do bring it to light, I would love to see it in the United States. Because that's probably the only thing I would risk my, uh, you know, pending children's college fund to get. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Honda? Make it happen. Nice. Give it up. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good low service engine as well. That's... I think it was an 8,000 mile oil change interval. So it's Good grief. like a lot of the modern Hondas. It's just got a huge oil reservoir. I think it took four quarts or damn near it in order to fill the oil on that thing. And, and if it, they do a shaft drive version with the DCT, then that takes a whole lot of stress out of what you needed to worry about if you do use it as a commuter. Yeah, just twist and go. If it was shaft driven like the original, that would be, that'd be awesome because it would, uh, you know, for touring, I feel like that's just the best, you know, 10,000, oh, so 15,000, 20,000 miles service intervals on the drivetrain. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, yeah. it's so much nicer than pulling over and cha- cleaning your chain every other day. Yeah, yeah. Chain maintenance, two hundred fifty miles. Chain yeah, maintenance, two hundred fifty miles. Probably should every day. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that uh, let's hope that uh, Honda uh, Honda makes that a, a real thing and uh, brings it to the United States. Um, but yeah, let's talk about some new kit. Uh, Tim, what are we uh, looking at for uh, some new toys to add to your... All right. Well, I, I dug in and found a couple things. One that I already purchased and one that I've been drooling over. <laughs> the first is the Fix It Sticks tools. And these guys are a company that are a tool company that's mostly, mostly focused on cycling and shooting, but it's just a general really compact bit driver set that would work in your moto kit as well. So what we're looking at here is two interlocking bit driver pieces that become a T-handle driver in a couple different, and you can do two different configurations, T on the long side, or take that cross piece off and stick it in the middle and you get a little more leverage. So they make a set where all four positions are interchangeable. They also make a set where two of them are permanently fixed in and another set where all of them are permanently fixed and you don't they're just common cycling sizes but i went with the hybrid one where there's a five millimeter hex on one side a six millimeter hex on the other side and the next stick is interchangeable okay nice so it's a combination it's of super the two. compact comes in this little yeah rolls into this tiny little um tool bag that will hold, think, eight bits is what nice. it holds. So Can I read these features here off the page? Swap them out, please. It says right here, let's see, high-quality steel construction can withstand 40 newmans of torque. Uh, compact, durable, accepts any standard quarter-inch bit, and only 116 grams. I'm looking at the picture here, and I love everything about it, minus one thing I want to know. Is there an option for an extension, if it should be necessary? Well, like what you're looking at is a standard bit driver size, so you can use so any be, right? extension. Yeah. Any bit driver cool. extension. Nice. Yeah. yeah. They've got a couple different models if you flip through some of the pages here, but and they're fixitsticks.com. And they're you know, I I picked one up once I saw them and you know, it's 30 bucks for the bit driver and a couple bits in this little pack and yeah. It's like a so far I've used them once on the trail. Nice. And no problems yeah. at all. Then what you got after that? So that is the, all right. The, what I've got after that is the Overland <clears throat> series from Kriega. Uh, it's K-R-I-E-G-A dot U-S. Um, and the OS system, the Overland system, is rugged, a little bit more rugged than their standard waterproof bags. You know, they're basically, there's rectangular waterproof bags with roll tops with a couple strap options to strap them onto any old rack. But the new thing that they're coming out with is what they call the base system. And it's a rackless design. It's a hoop that goes over the back end of your bike. It's been designed for enduro bikes, but it looked to me like it would work really well on my Husqvarna with the minimal tail section. Yes. So... Well, I it mean, there's a lot cool. of, uh, you know, dirt bike DNA in your, in your KTM Varna. Yes. It's flat, yeah. So, and I, like, 
Krieger's, I've had some of their stuff, and Krieger's top-notch quality, so it's hard to go wrong. And If you guys out there check it out. It ends up being a whole lot cheaper than... Oh, sorry, I've got a, I've got a leggy It ends up being a lot cheaper than my favorite. The uh, Usually I, my go-to is the Moscow Moto because I just, you know, they are bomb-proof, awesome design. But they're also pretty pricey right now. Yeah, but so at the same time, this, what's coming neat in about this, it the, has this vertical, this vertical appeal where it's like it, it's angled with the bike, but it's almost top loading um, with good support locations. It means it's going to have depth and it's going to be secured in a whole different light. Um, I think this is freaking. Yes, that's, that's a beautiful concept. I've never seen that angle. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yes. So what is really neat about this system is that you buy the the base and you can put either the the six, the twelve, or the eighteen liter bags on the side of them. Oh, interchangeable. So the picture I'm showing you here are two twelve liter. Yeah. yeah. So it's, so it's like a soft base. Exactly. As opposed, as opposed to like a hard rack, and then the bags clip onto the like so the soft base is strapped onto the bike, and then yeah. you can strap the bikes to the base. Without the need for like a hard bolt-on type rack. That's right. That's pretty cool. So this is one I'm really considering. That's it ends up being almost a couple hundred dollars cheaper than the the nearby competitor of the Moscow Moto that I had been considering earlier. So Robin, what are you up to? What article are you going to read this episode? Okay. <clears throat> which I'll do ad lib after we get done recording this episode. But uh, this month's article read is Hillbilly Triangle, a Kentucky motorcycle ride. And that's by Patrick Mogavero. He's the president of the MSTA. That's the Motorcycle Sport Touring Association. I've, I uh, had a lengthy phone call with this gentleman uh, a couple weeks ago that got me pretty excited because the MSTA is AMA recognized and, you know, they're a, a thousand members deep or so. I don't know. It's some big number. I lied about it on Facebook before. But, uh, but it, you know, they're kind of a big deal, especially in my neck of the woods. And <laughs> So he wrote us uh, this post, uh, Hillbilly Triangle, Kentucky Motorcycle. It's basically uh, a specific section of uh, eastern Kentucky that goes into Red River Gorge National Forest, uh, some of that. And, you know, you get pizza. So let's talk about this. And here we go. A Hillbilly Triangle, a Kentucky motorcycle mm, ride, available at theridingobsession.com, post ID 23501. The American Heritage Dictionary defines Hillbilly as a person from the backwoods or some remote mountain area. Wikipedia says that Red River Gorge is a canyon system on the Red River in East Central Kentucky. It lies within the Daniel Boone National Forest, next to what's commonly referred to as Hillbilly Triangle covering about 29,000 acres. Backwoods? Remote mountain area? A canyon system? Tell me more, you say. Well, okay. This is what happens when you combine 200 plus miles of twisty, smooth roads that go into the forest, winding around the backwoods and mountains before plunging into the depths of the Red River Gorge. Only then does it finish with an exciting run across the fabulous ridgetop roads of north central Kentucky. If you're a motorcycle sport touring rider, and I assume you are or you wouldn't be listening to this, you end up with one of the best days of riding anywhere, Anytime. This is the Hillbilly Triangle, Red River Gorge route. We'll start in Mount Sterling, 
aptly known as the Gateway to the Eastern Mountains. Mount Sterling, the county seat of Montgomery County, is a town of about 7,000, located some 40 miles east of Lexington, Kentucky, on Interstate I-64. It's a fairly sleepy little town that supports many hotels and eating establishments located near the highway. Going south on 11 will run you right into the small downtown where there's a bypass for Route 689 that you can use to go around it to the west. In either case, you want to continue south on 11 until you reach SR 646. Turn right, which is west, on 646 until you reach SR 974. A note here on the Kentucky numbering system. Generally speaking, the more numbers in a route, the smaller the road. Not always true, but generally so. Follow SR 974 uh, until it reaches SR 89 and turn left onto 89. Soon you'll come to a small town of Irvine. Go through town and continue on 89 South. This is the true beginning of the Hillbilly Triangle. Stay on 89 all the way to McKee, deep in the heart of the Daniel Boone National Forest. Once you reach McKee, go south on Route 421 and take a slight left on SR 587. And to look back, of course Hillbilly Triangle mentions an Irvine. This is in the southernmost point of the route, near the town of Beattyville. 587 will intersect with SR-399. Take 399 north, and when it ends, turn left on SR-52. This is taking you back west toward Irvine. Before you get to Irvine, turn right on SR-213, which again is taking you north. You'll cross under the mountain parkway just on the southern edge of a town called Stanton. Just past the parkway, you'll turn right or east on SR-11 and begin your journey into and through the Red River Gorge. There are some choices to be made along here. The shorter way to go is to turn left off 11 on SR-77. This takes you through the famous Nada Tunnel. A longer and better way to continue on 11 passes SR-77. Not turning until you reach SR-715. Doing so will take you past Miguel's Pizza, some of the best you'll find anywhere. Which is, you know, saying a lot considering Robin is from Chicago, that's me. Anyhow, it also takes you past Natural Bridge State Resort Park. The resort park features a lodge, a restaurant, cabins, campground, hiking trails, and unbelievable views of the Gorge Canyons. It makes a great home base from which to explore the eastern Kentucky mountains. If you take the longer route and use 715, you'll also be treated to a wonderful ride through the Gorge area itself. Most of it is 1.5 lanes-ish. Recently repaved and in wonderful condition. However, there are several hiking trails and parking areas located off this road, so traffic on the weekends, particularly in autumn, can back up sometimes. It's tight and twisty through this area, and many of the turns are blind when the summer's foliage is out. Enjoy your ride through the Kentucky wilderness. Take it easy and enjoy the shade. Continuing on 715 will run you back into SR-77, north of the Nada Tunnel. Continue north on 77, right off of 17, 715, sorry, until you reach Route 460. Take a left on 460 and you'll reach the town of Frenchburg in a couple of miles. Go straight and you go on to SR 36. Follow 36 north to the town of Owingsville and turn left or west on SR 60. A rolling road through the horse country of East Central Kentucky. Turn right onto Van Thompson Road before you come back into Mount Sterling and it will run you back over to SR 11. When you reach SR 11, turn left again and it will run you back to your starting point at I-64. at I The total distance for this route hits around 260 miles, give or take. Figure in six hours of actual riding time at lunch. We recommend either Miguel's or the Natural Bridge SRP Lounge. Plus a gas stop and water break. Eight hours is a pretty common time frame in which to complete this ride. Hillbilly Triangle covers all bases. 
The route pretty much has it all. Lots of really twisty roads, great scenery, places to stop, historical attractions, everything but traffic. Well, that is, except for the area around the gorge on holidays and weekends. Otherwise, you can expect little to no traffic. Many people in Kentucky will even pull over and let you pass when they have a chance. Passing zones? Fairly common. I do recommend making sure you're fully gassed up before starting this route. And to take a water bottle or some other fluids with you. While there are some small towns along the way, there are many miles that are remote, and it can get hard to find help when you need it. Cell service is spotty at best, and even small towns are hardly worth relying on. Put the route in your GPS, but remember, paper state maps are priceless. With that, what's your favorite Kentucky motorcycle route, listeners? There are other great mo Kentucky motorcycle rides out there. Which ones do you prefer? What do you like about each and why? Your input is invited. Post an article. Visit theridingobsession.com. Scroll down on the right-hand side where you see Write About Riding and get started. Again, this article was by Patrick Magavero. Thank you very much, Patrick. And that was the article read for Hillbilly Triangle, a Kentucky Motorcycle Ride by Patrick Mogovero. Thank you, Mr. Mogovero, for that uh, for that article. Which brings us to ups updated site features. Um, actually, yeah, so, okay, so the updated site features. I'm going to continue on here. Uh, not sure if I mentioned this ages ago, but our weather page is back up and running in reliable fashion. I'm still working to bring back a few of its lesser features, but all in all, it's the best way to determine what your ride is going to be like. I always mention this to people and their first response is, well, what I like to use is, and I don't, I don't care at all. I've tested, tested, and tested. Our motorcycle riding weather forecast is the best predictor out there. Check it out. Just uh, go to theridingobsession.com, and it's up there in the middle of all the other stuff uh, in the Features Pages section. Uh, we also moved some code around so that certain functions only load on pages where they'll be used. This has sped things up a bit where page load times are concerned. Um, and uh, like I said, we're looking for sponsors for this podcast. So I added also a support TRO link under the about section. It currently has only minimal info about how you, our viewers, might help us stay afloat. Soon, I'll include that text uh, that describes just how we make money. How does the site function? How do we get the, the moolah? Um, Added a few ringers to the links page. Big shout out to Patrick Mogavero and the MSTA abbreviation. Uh, we'll soon work with them extensively in a coordinated effort to promote the pastime of sport touring. I'm about to write an article about that specific topic, how to promote anything motorcycle related these days. Um, also, RidingSolutions.com. RidingSolutions.com, uh, it's a motor tri motorcycle training source that I personally hope will grow with exponential success. Uh, because for one, I, I work there, so... I've worked with them during some of their custom curriculum events and have to say the knowledge they offer really sets the bar in unexpected ways. So, Oh, and uh, we also added Bodocycle to the YouTube channel. He and Tran has some of the most interesting stuff on there, always explaining it in sort of fresh with fresh eyes or a fresh perspective. Uh, she's pretty cool. So be sure and check out Votocycle on YouTube. Um, which brings us to Travis. You want to introduce our listener questions? Uh, sure. This question comes to us from Dominic uh, Bogdan, uh, who we want to give a shout out. He's a U.S. Marine Corps retired. 
uh, disabled Iraq and Afghanistan combat veteran. I just want to thank him for his service. Yeah. Uh, but he asks uh, that uh, about uh, tools to keep on the bike here. He wants at any time and place sort of custom assembled kit. And he's on a 2019 BMW R9T Scrambler. They wanted a preference mm. for stainless steel or titanium tools due to their corrosion resistance and toughness. Now, I was thinking about this. I um, felt that like might be more Tim's wheelhouse. Yeah, Tim, you could help with this for sure. I, I feel like, you know, he initially emailed thinking that we could sort of build uh, an itemized list of purchase points. But I think really you'd be the one to be like, you know what, you need to go to this specific source or these specific sources. What do you have to say on that one? Oh, goodness. You know, I am... My my preference has always been to go to minimal, low-cost stuff. So I found some, you know, mo pretty much everything that I have for my bike toolkit is quarter-inch drive, you know, and like the fix-it sticks, you know, just hand-powered because most things on a bike are really low-torque, relatively speaking, you know. Your common body and engine bolts are 7 to 10 foot-pounds. Your... Bigger things are 16 to 24, which is all, you know, with my big monkey hands, are pretty easy to achieve those torque <laughs> levels. Well, I can definitely and feel... I will have a... Let me throw down a little bit on this one. That uh, I know that this bike, it's the same general... It's close to the same generation as my, my R1200 RS. That bike has a lot of torques. No, it's, uh, it's the previous... Well, it's the previous uh, engine architecture because the oil head, but as far as... Um... So yeah, the sort of hardware that BMW is using, yeah, it's a lot of torques. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a lot yeah, of torques. Yeah, torques bits are common with mine as well. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, really is... I think it's an Austrian-German thing. Yeah, what's a good source for titanium stuff, though? I know that he's going to need everything from a, a 10 millimeter torques all the way up, or a number 10, sorry, a number 10 torques all the way up to a number 30 torques. Maybe some of the bigger ones for, for like, wheel lugs, if it's a single-sided, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, one of my go-to companies for motorcycle tool tools when I need something specialty is Motion Pro. Uh, I don't know right now if they've got titanium tools or stainless, but they do a lot of anodized aluminum tools. Oh, nice! That are going to hold up pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was the anodized aluminum. The um, their bead breaker tire iron combo thing is pretty cool. I think Jimmy have one of those. Yep. Um, which I'm not sure if the R19 Scrambler is tubed or tubeless. I don't um, expect it's a tubeless. Yeah. Tubeless spoked because BMW has those really fine wheels that are spoked, but they offset them to the exterior of the rim oh, yeah. wow. so that they can get a good air seal. I had never heard so of if that. You're, yeah, so if you're, rubbing, running, if you're running tubeless, you you probably don't need a bead breaker, and it's just best to carry a... A, a plug kit. Oh yeah, um, you yeah. Know, and some sort of inflation tool, um, whether that's a hand pump or an electric pump. Uh, there's a good article on the writing session about uh, electrical pumps, um, electric uh, tire pumps you can pack with you. And then otherwise, what I usually carry with my BMW is just one of those little kind of jackknife torque sets. You know that fold it, they all fold into one little handle. Oh, the Leatherman um, wave is, stuff know, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, see this, I'd rather have. I don't know. The Leatherman doesn't really carry the torques stuff though. Good point. Okay, I um, do have a confirmation for you that the Motion Pro does carry a set of titanium combination wrenches. Nice. Um, they are pricey. They're, they're, there's no joke. They're going to cost you a, 
a pretty penny, but they yeah. should be lifetime lasting. Uh, we're talking about a four-piece wrench set, an 8, 12, and a 13 combination wrench set for $125. Wait, is this the yeah. one that's like two, that's a, that's it's a, like two uh, uh, ratchet wrenches on either side, so you got... They're they're like hole shaped on either side, but if but the left and right has a different dimension. No, I'm talking about uh, old school combination wrench where it's, so. you've got a open end wrench on one side and a closed hoop. Oh, okay, got it. Wrench on the other side, you know, both the same measurements. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the the Torx thing would probably be the best for the BMW. Just one of the little jackknife ones. I usually tend to just go grab like Harbor Freight tools for on the road kit because that way if it gets left at the side of the road, you know, you're not out. <laughs> yeah, man, preach. A couple hundred bucks. Um, the, uh, and they do sell, um, I love it, I use it all the time. They have this um, ratchet and it's quarter inch drive on one side, three eighths on the other, and has an extendable handle. So yes. it's fairly compact. But but it has the extendable handle, so if you if you need to like take a wheel off and you need to have something that's got a more leverage for a high torque fastener, you can use that. And then otherwise, I would just piece together anything special. You need like a a super large, you know, forty five or fifty uh, uh, Torx bit, or um, you know, anything like specialty for spark plugs or you know anything that's like very um, you know axle tools or anything that's specific to that. Uh, that's like you need the specialty tool to take the wheel off. It was like, I know on, with my, when I had my BMW, that was the single nut, single sided swing arm, and you need like a 50 millimeter hex. <laughs> oh, like, wow. Yeah, that just, that just, where do you, where do you find that? Yeah, that just lived on the bike because like, yeah, no one's going to have one. And if I ever need to take the wheel, the rear wheel off, we're going to need that tool. Yeah. So, that's hilarious. Yeah. I think um, another big key part of the toolkit is what you're trying to do. Where are you going? If you were just out on a couple days trip, you know, across the U.S., you're in civilized country. You really just need you know, what you need to get you to the next town, whether it's yeah. plugging a tire, changing the tube. Um, Something like what Travis was yeah, talking about. Yeah, if you're not about, out in the like, sticks. I, I don't see any reason not to just glue that to the bolt itself and then just leave it there for the remainder of your ownership of the bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the... um. Yeah, I mean, if you're not, yeah, really out in the wilderness, to kind of depend on what you're doing, it's like, yeah, a tire patch kit is probably, and an inflator is probably your number one. And then after that, a cell phone and a credit card. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, if you've got a, a common wear part, like I had a Vespa that had an exhaust collar that disintegrated every time you took the exhaust off. And you had to take the exhaust off every time you changed a tire. So if you found yourself in a, a strange city and needed a tire, you could probably find a scooter tire, but almost never could you find that graphic collar. So, or graphite, excuse me. So I always carried one of those graphite exhaust collars. With yeah, here's me. a bit of a tip too. On the site, if you look at the bottom so, of it, there's uh well, actually just look up in our search, the search motor at the top of the site, uh, the Psi Plus A2. Uh, it says plus A2, more than just an air compressor. That was written by Don Beeren not too long ago. This thing is pretty quick. Uh, it, first off, it's USB charging uh, with a rechargeable battery on the inside. Charges pretty quick. But you, it has a set it and forget it uh, pressure uh, meter that is pretty freaking accurate. And quite frankly, of the electric portable pumps I've seen, this is the smallest, most accurate, most convenient 
of all the ones we've talked about in the past in any article. So be sure and check that one out. It's worth having. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, yeah, but that's about it. That's about, um, you know, you guys said you can, if you really got a bunch of, you got a big bulge in your pocket and you want to buy titanium stuff, uh, you know, go right ahead. But I feel like, you know, just go to Harbor Freight, get some, get some inexpensive stuff um, that you don't mind because it'll probably get wrecked. Recycled and beer also, cans. you know, when an important uh, <laughs> an important thing to do too is, um, you know, use those tools to do your regular maintenance. So then you're using them; they aren't going to get rusty, and then you know how to use them when you're stuck on the side of the road and have to use them. <laughs> um, and yeah. if you're going to just, and if you're just going to like bundle them up and throw them in a bag and throw them, you know, in some luggage, in your concern, just you know, every couple of months, pull them out. Spray them down with some WD-40, wipe them off with a towel. They won't rust. Even the cheapest oh, tools yeah. won't rust that way. Yep. I do that with, uh, I have the, um, the OEM toolkit for the Kawasaki. Um, yeah, I just, you know, every couple of months, just pull it out and spray it down, wipe it, and it's been fine. That covers it. So there you go, Dominic. Hope that, I hope that that uh, garbled mess of varying information is Clear somewhat Clear as a lead curtain. Yeah. Um, I hope you're not too put off by the fact that we're really not into the stainless and titanium, but I but you're wrong just and haven't we're right. found them <laughs> to be worth the expense. Yeah. Uh, just my own personally, it's just never hit the uh, you know, cost-benefit analysis for me. So I, I do usually go a little above the uh, Harbor Freight if I can, because especially with like the, uh, the Torx keys, I've had... Allen key sets fail on me before, and they tend to be a little bit harder than the screws that you're trying to undo with. So drilling them out becomes a real pain in the butt. Yeah, I mean, definitely go with the um, you know the best tools you're willing to uh, to purchase. But yeah, I think yes, or lose going, on the side of the road. You know, chilling out for yeah four or five times as much for stainless or um, or uh, you know titanium is really. Especially on, on that bike. It's not like you're on a Dakar rally where, where every ounce counts. Um, so it, right. it, sh it should be on a scrambler that's already kind of heavy. Yeah, <laughs> he might be in the, you know, compact is more important than lightweight. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, if you want to get, you know, Craftsman or whatever, you know, Husky from your big box store and just get a set of Allens and Torx from there, you know, piece together the sockets that you will use the most so like i said just make a note when you're doing your regular maintenance and working on the bike what you need to take it apart and get the serviceable parts and just bring those with you yeah that's your that's your cue tim this is my cue okay all right <laughs> email your questions and concerns via our contact form which is located at tro.email or by calling 224-358-3010 that brings us on to this week's Mess Alamoto, brought to you by the super slick, ultra badass motorcycle mega posse of incredible power, 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 power. The super slick, ultra badass motorcycle mega posse of incredible power is super slick, ultra badass, incredibly powerful. So, okay, um, <clears throat> all purchases final, no refunds. Yeah, no, no reproduction not permitted without permission. <laughs> you say not found in Nevada.
So, okay, there is a, the videos that are out there currently, we've got the, uh, the hard life of a MotoGP front tire. Somebody put a GoPro, some kind of low profile camera underneath the chassis of a, a MotoGP bike and took it out for a few laps. And this is, this is a nuclear thing to witness. Holy beautiful. Like the, the, you're looking at the line choice. They're measuring down to a nickel in some of these apexes. It's, it's just beautiful. That was a guy here. Yeah, it's, I mean, you can really see the, the, the tire like compressed and like fold over on the sidewall. Um, and you also get to see it float above the ground an awful lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty much it, like it's either the, the, the fork is diving all the way or the front wheel is coming off the ground. And those are the two states. The and every time it in. comes up off the ground, they're aiming at the next apex. Like you can see the next apex is perfectly in line with the wheelie they're riding. Like what is going on here? Yeah. yeah. Amazes zing. And then I remember, okay, so then our good friend Mel Bolt posted the image of the, this is from a while ago, but the Honda that was standing itself up and had an adjustable rake. Which, yeah, Hon yeah, Honda put a uh, servo assembly on the head tube that can both turn the handlebars and adjust the, the rake of the, um, the bike. It's actually on the same chassis, the NC, the new concept chassis that my NC700X is on. Um, but then, uh, yeah, an IMU... Uh, controls the servos and the bike balances itself with like very slight adjustments of the handlebars and rake and they there's a one section where like the woman beckons the bike and it just follows her out the door on its own of its own accord with uh, electrical motor assist and let's be honest this doesn't exist now if Honda it? just actually actually makes it I mean yeah. that one does it's not like a production bike but they made right. a real yeah. one <laughs> And now, okay, so the next thing is uh, that we have a running theme going that 10 millimeter sockets, they pretty much don't exist. I think they're a phantom, they're a figment of the worldly imagination. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Oh, Michael Gordos proved that you can ride a 280 <laughs> miles from Madison, Wisconsin to Minneapolis, Minnesota on one tank of fuel. What bike does he have again? It's the uh, KTM. Uh, K the KTM's 1290 Super Adventure Touring Super Tanker. <laughs> And it is it is mesmerizing to ride in front of that man and watch those cornering lights turn on. Oh yeah, I'm like going around the corner, spending way too much time looking in my mirrors, <laughs> just going, "Oh, that's neat." Yeah, What's that like at up. night? <laughs> the last post we got shows Doggo shows us how to drag two knees, schooling riders. It's just a dog that is clearly a herding dog being very happy about being leaning over in full speed ahead getting the, the zoomies going and yeah. they got a posture next to the Repsol Honda there and pretty good um, the deep cut uh, doggo deep cut doggo um, okay so uh, that brings us uh, anybody want to add anything otherwise we're on our closing sponsorship messages blah, blah, blah. Uh, no I think that's that's about it for, for Motorcycle. That's our episode for this round. Tune in next time for more discussions on all things for sport touring or universal to motorcycling as a whole. For TheRoddingObsession.com, I'm Travis Burleson. I'm Tim Clark. And I'm Robin Dean. Safe travels, everyone.